Hello, and welcome to episode 560 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today is a momentous day here on the show, an annual holiday of sorts, certainly better than the dusty holidays like Thanksgiving. Yes, it is the official Evan Silva Top 150 Rankings Release Show. Almost makes you feel happy to be alive. Evan, how's it going? Well, I appreciate that scintillating introduction. Um, but I, I just want the people to know, like, this is a rough draft. It, it takes me, like, a long time to do this first uh, this first set of uh, Top 150 rankings because I'm just doing it all from scratch. I mean, I literally rank, like, almost every relevant skill position player from almost, like, a Top 400, Top 500 uh, at, at each position, and then I sort them so that, you know, it goes one through to, uh, to 150. So this is very much a rough draft. I just started my first draft of the entire offseason. You know, I always like to check my rankings against my actual convictions in the draft room. I also want to see where other people stand on, sp- on specific players. So once I start doing more drafts and, um, you know, the team previews always have a big influence on my top 150 and uh, the tiers also, uh, contribute to my convictions. That'll be the next thing that I, I start working on is uh, the tiers, the positional tiers. Um, but this is very much a rough draft, but I also like that, you know, I mean, it's some place to start. And I, I and I think that I am starting to come to grips with the players that I actively want to be higher than ADP on. And that's really what the 150 is all about. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, we will draft a guy at a certain point you know, he's going to be in our top 150. We're going to have him ranked, but we are not going to draft him above or at his ADP. And there are other guys we are willing to reach, reach around or two in order to take. So that that's what really what the 150 is all about. It's all like adjusted versus ADP. Yeah. And we'll talk about this stuff. I mean, this is obviously going to be the focus of the show as we get to peak drafting season there in August and September. Guys, frankly, we're higher or lower on the market is what this is all about for sure. So we're going to talk about the top 150 day, the first top 150, the first part of Evan's process getting ready for the 2023 fantasy football season. That Evan's first 150 is up on the site right now for DraftKids subscribers. Today, we're going to talk about where he differs most from the market right now. Some really interesting ones, I think. Also, as part of DraftKit Pro, we have rankings up for every best ball. These are take into account Silva's opinions, but the rankings that are not Silva's top 150 our staff opinions, projection-based, model-based, et cetera. Before we get into it here, I'm sure most of you listen to this on our podcast feed. Wanted to let you know that you're going to be missing a lot of content that we make specifically for YouTube. For example, we do quick videos on undervalued players. We do live streams where we analyze drafts and lots more. These videos will not hit the podcast feed. So go to YouTube and search Establish the Run and subscribe to the channel. Hitting that subscribe button really does help us out. We'll make sure you know when we post new stuff. That's youtube.com slash establish the run and click subscribe. All right, Evan, let's start with a running back coming off of an ACL tear in Brees Hall. You have Brees Hall 30th overall, running back 12. Market is a little bit higher on him, 25 overall, running back 10. We remember Brees Hall tore his ACL in October, late October of last year. Reports on Brees Hall's injury are better than Javante Williams for what it's worth. Evan, what do you think about Brees Hall's outlook here? You're a little bit lower than market. 
Yeah, and I feel good about that. Um, I mean, I, look, I, I love what Brees Hall did as a rookie, but he tore his ACL on October 28th. They were connected to Jamal Williams in free agency at one point. They were strongly connected. And I don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but uh, to take Jameer Gibbs at number 15 overall, mm-hmm. Zonovan Knight gave him some good carries last year. He's back. Michael Carter is a quality NFL back. He's returning. They drafted in the fifth round Israel Abinakanda. So I think that the Jets are playing this cautiously with regard to Brees Hall's recovery. And I think that I want to play it and, and I want to have other, other people can draft Brees Hall aggressively. I will take him not at his ADP, certainly not above his ADP. I will take him after his ADP, but, but I'm going to play this one cautiously, at least for now. Yeah. And, and I'm with that. It's early. And I think that, you know, some of the, anytime you tweet about or talk about ACL recoveries, everybody comes in with the, Oh, but what about Adrian Peterson? Adrian Peter, there's going to be outliers. Adrian Peterson is like a total, total freak of nature. And yeah, ACL recoveries have gotten better in recent years, but there still can be complications as we saw with J.K. Dobbins last year. But yeah, I think Brees is certainly much closer to full health than Javante Williams, but um, it's still something to keep an eye on. So I'm fine with that one, lower the market on Brees Hall. The next one is a guy you are very much higher than market on. Ramondre Stevenson. Silva has 16th overall, the running back six. Market is closer to 29-30 overall, RB11. Now, we talked about this some with the James Robinson rumor. Maybe he won't make the team. They still have Pierre Strong. They have Kevin Harris somewhere down there. What do you think about being so far above market on Ramondre Stevenson? I've uh, been doing this for the last couple of years, and, uh, and I'm going to uh, stick to my guns here and continue to be well above market on Ramondre Stevenson, who was awesome. And his competition for touches in New England is really, really weak, unless you think Pierre Strong is going to take a big leap from really just being a special teamer as a rookie. Kevin Harris didn't really show us much. James Robinson showed very, very little. I mean, he got benched by the Jets, who traded for him. You the know? Jaguars and the Jets both gave up on James Robinson. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he's one of the Achilles victims and it's really hard for those guys to come back early. He had some success with the Jaguars early in the season, but it was primarily because he was hitting long runs and it's just, it, it wasn't, he wasn't efficient and it was, it was volatile and they wound up getting rid of him. And then Ty Montgomery, who the Patriots have always have like, had like a, a fascination with, but I mean, this guy is not a scary threat. I don't think to Ramondre Stevenson, who not only is a bull, between the tackles, but also was an excellent receiver receiving back. This dude caught 69 balls last yeah. season. Um, I really like the way that the Patriots offensive line is coming together as well. Um, Trent Brown is back at left tackle. They signed Riley Reef to be like a league average right tackle. He'll compete with Connor McDermott. Um, Mike Onwenu is back at guard. Cole Strange, who they took, remember in the first round, they got a bunch of crap from the Rams about taking Cole Strange in the first round and the Rams sucked and Cole Strange was awesome. And then David Andrews back at center. So I think this team and this team also like they have uncertain, they have some like legitimate uncertainty at quarterback too. So I think they're going to run the crap out of the ball. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be their offensive centerpiece and he's proven that he's really, really good. So to me, I think he's absolutely a middle of the second round pick and it's actually shocking to me. Well, I shouldn't say it's shocking. Because every year people try to, t- try to try to, oh, you can't tr- draft Patriots running backs, which, by the way, has been 
a severe losing strategy mm-hmm. for the last decade mm-hmm. because you could always get him cheap. Now, the argument against this is that Ramondre Stevenson is going to be expensive, but he should be expensive for all the reasons that I just listed. So uh, my big thing on Ramondre Stevenson that people I think maybe don't realize, last year Ramondre Stevenson had a streak, I believe it was seven straight games with a 20% or more target share. That doesn't happen at the running back position unless you're completely elite like Eckler or CMC. This dude is very, very good in the pass game. I think that's important this year because the Patriots have one of the hardest schedules I have seen in a very, very long time. They have an absolutely brutal schedule this year Do the... Patriots. And so you need Ramondre Stevenson to be out there when they're losing. I think he will be. Maybe some people think Pierre Strong is a better pass catcher back, but I think Ramondre is the heavy favorite for that role. I wouldn't be quite as high as Evan is on Ramondre just because I think the Patriots are like legit suck. Like they could be really, really bad and they have a hard schedule. But I do like Ramondre Stevenson this year. And there's certainly room where the market's taking him right now to be a little bit higher. Go to Seahawks. So Evan is higher than market pretty significantly on DK Metcalf. That's uh, DK Metcalf is Silva's wide receiver 12. We're closer to wide receiver 17. Lockett, Evan is also higher on wide receiver 26. Market is closer to wide receiver 33. JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Silva is lower on wide receiver 36. We're closer to wide receiver 32. I think we've talked plenty about how both of us think Seattle's pass game is going to be very, very good this year. How do you parse between DK, Lockett, JSN, and did you were you aware that you're below market on JSN? Yeah, and I'm fine with that because I, I like being significantly ahead of market on both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. These are proven NFL players. Jackson Smith and Jigba played in two football games last year. And I mean, I think he's going to be good. I think he could step right in and catch 70, 75 balls, no problem in the slot for Seattle. But Tyler Lockett has been doing this a long time. I've been a higher than ADP on him for a long time as well. And that has been a successful strategy with DK Metcalf. And look, Tyler Lockett is going to, into his age 31 season. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there are some concerns, but I didn't think that he showed signs of slowdown last year. And then with DK Metcalf, you know, I, I think he could have an absolute monster season. Um, we know that that's in his range of potential outcomes. He's going to have Lockett more of an outside receiver opposite him. This year, they'll have more of a, th- a threat in the slot because for the past few few years, and they try to draft D. Eskridge, and you know they try they play guys like Freddie Swain in there, and you know that third receiver was just a, a total non-factor. DK Metcalf is the clear-cut outside boundary receiver in Seattle, and he's also got a bunch of touchdown re- positive touchdown regression coming to him over the previous two seasons. He scored twenty-two touchdowns, only had six. Last year, really didn't have that great of a year last year. His career low in yards per target, um, you know, his yards per game were were down. I I just I think that he could absolutely explode in this second year with Geno Smith. And we talked about it on the award show. We both we both brought up Geno Smith as um, like a potential MVP long shot. I I just I I like leaning into the Seahawks offense, especially because it seems like people don't trust them, except for, for whatever reason, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I think that they're they're overdrafting. So right now, rookies are just, people are falling all over themselves to draft rookies. And that's why you see JSN inflated. You see in our rankings, if you go to like our underdog rankings, you'll see that we're a little bit lower on a lot of rookies than other people. We think it's gone too far on some of these rookies. One thing I'll say about DK Metcalf is that early in his career, he had a huge ADOT, average depth of target. He had huge yards per catch. That was with Russell Wilson. That's what Russell Wilson does well. 
Geno Smith is much more conservative, much closer to the line of scrimmage. And so you saw last year, 11.6 yards per catch for DK Metcalf is really low for a guy with his ability. So, you know, it's just a function. I think of the way Geno played more than the way DK played, but it doesn't mean that DK can't rack up a ton, ton, ton here. Well, I feel like now that they have two really good short to intermediate receivers in Mm -hmm. Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba, maybe that a dot can, can be expanded a little bit and we could see more big plays down the football field and also more plays in the red zone because six touchdowns. I mean, DK Metcalf is a 10 touchdown guy. Yep. The guy that the market's been rising on, but Evan's been high on, I know for the last month or so, or ever since the draft, at least is Damian Pierce. Evan's at 43 overall in Damian Pierce market is closer to 56, 60 overall on Damian Pierce. They did add Devin Singletary. They did not uh, address the running back position though early in the draft. And so Damian Pierce gets a little vote of confidence there. One thing I'm interested in with Texans, I've heard you talk about it. I've heard Brandon Thorne talk about it. Offensive line play for the Texans this year could actually be reasonable or maybe even good. I don't know. We have to talk to Thorne more about that. But yeah, go ahead on Damian Pierce. Yeah, so Damian Pierce escaped the draft with um, no added competition. They've got guys like Devin Singletary and, and Mike Boone. Devin, Devin Singletary is really just a guy. Um, fine little number two back. We've always liked Mike Boone, but teams never you know, make any sort of a commitment to giving him the rock. And he'll he'll play special teams for them and be a contributor in that way. And then Dory Ogunbowale. I mean, that rounds out their top four. And that's just totally underwhelming competition. Damian Pierce kind of slowed down late in the season and got hurt. But man, he was, I mean, there was a point at which you could argue that he was top two, top three for offensive rookie of the year, like 10 weeks into the season last year. I think the Texans can be better, which will contribute to more positive game script, um, but still not enough to, still not good enough that he's not going to get a lot of receiving opportunities because he's good in in the passing game. I mean, he was good in the passing game in college and he was pretty good last year as well and then you mentioned the offensive line laramie tunsell probably a top three left tackle in the league titus howard who was a first round pick he'll be at right tackle they stole shaq mason away from the patriots for like a six round pick swap he'll be starting at right guard Kenyon green who they drafted in the first round is going to be there uh, last year is going to be their starting left guard he he had a rocky beginning to his rookie season Uh, But over the final four or five games, he was really good. So I expect him to take a second-year leap. And then at center right now, um, I think it's going to be Juice Scruggs, who they drafted in the second round. So, yes, I think their offensive line has a chance to be legitimately really good this year. And I think that Damian Pierce is going to be just a huge part of their offense, breaking in a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. I mean, Damian Pierce last year was very viable. I played him in DFS a bunch until the wheels started to kind of come off of the team. If the team can be more stable this year and CJ Stroud, I think gives them a chance to do so. Damian Pierce role, very, very strong. Keenan Allen is a guy you're lower on than Mark. You have Keenan Allen 60th overall wide receiver, 27. Keep in mind, Evans ranks R4 half PPR, not full PPR. Market's closer to 44th overall wide receiver, 22. Keenan is 31 years old now. They did add Quentin Johnston. We all um, now know, I think, that Austin Eckler is going to be back with the team. So it's getting crowded there for sure. Lower than market, though, Evan. I feel like Keenan's a guy you're normally higher on. Maybe not. I don't know. But what do you think about being lower than market on Keenan? Yeah, it's just there's – it's you know, and he's such a volume receiver. He's an aging volume receiver 
with significantly increased target competition. So this is just a, a guy that, look, and he's had a great career and, and all that. And I still think he probably catches 85, 90 balls, mm-hmm. but like only for like, you know, 850, 900 yards. And then it could just come down to touchdowns. And he's not really, you know, a, a huge touchdown scorer, especially as his, as his athleticism starts to diminish. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's getting crowded there, man. And we know that he historically has been better or, you know, Austin Eckler takes away from Keenan Allen short area stuff. And then Quentin Johnson is a big, uh, big target after the catch. There have been times when it seemed like Mike Williams was taking over as their number, you know, their, their go-to guy. It's just a lot of dudes there. And I would rather not put my money on an aging possession receiver. Yeah. Full PPR. I think Keenan looks better, right? Like those like seven for 70 games are actually pretty good in full PPR for sure quarterback that Evan is higher on the market is Jordan Love and I thought this one was really interesting Evan's at QB 16 on Jordan Love Marcus closer to QB 19 if you look at the Packers schedule and I I hate to do this because defense stuff is not that sticky it can change a lot but man Packers have a really soft opposing defense schedule they do not face a lot of tough defenses Jordan Love I think they're gonna institute a run heavy attack but they do have some weapons out there for Jordan Love in Christian Watson, they drafted Jaden Reed in the second round. I like being higher than market here on Evan. I just didn't feel too comfortable with it. What do you think about Jordan Love's prospects this year? I feel like we haven't talked about him like at all. Yeah, I mean, it's still so late in the draft. I mean, I have him 132 overall, and market is at 154. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it just doesn't really matter at that point. Um, I will say that one of the reasons that I have, well, and I'm not even a believer in Jordan Love, okay? But they just have put a lot around him. I mean, I think their offensive line has a chance to be really, really good. Um, you know, they've got the two backs. They've got Aaron Jones coming back. He's really good in the passing game. Christian Watson absolutely is a candidate for a leap. People are really high on Christian Watson, by the way, in drafts. I don't think I'm too too lower, too much lower than on, on ADP than him, but I was a little bit surprised at how how aggressive they were or that, that ADP is right now. And I think Romeo, Romeo Dubs will be better in year two. And I like how they use those early picks on the tight ends. I mean, I, I just, I think that they're building the right way around Jordan Love. He wasn't a big runner in college. He wasn't very good in college. Yeah. But he wasn't a big runner in college, but I know that he's got that in his bag. I mean, he is a good athlete. So I don't know, quarterback 16, somewhere between quarterback 16 and quarterback 19. That's where I'm going to land on Jordan Love. It's just, he's just a, he's, you know, he's, he's a late round quarterback. Yep. I think he's an interesting one though. Again, I, I think for the yeah. reasons Evan said, the schedule, the what stuff they put around him, I think he's an interesting late round quarterback. If people drafting best ball right now, like those QB twos and QB threes can make all the difference uh, in the world. Let's go to a wide receiver. Evan is way lower than market on Cortland Sutton. Still was at 130 overall wide receiver 53. Market's closer to wide receiver 39, 81st overall. This is a massive gap being out on Cortland Sutton. Evan, people are going to have questions about this one. Go ahead on him. Well, I mean, sometimes I have biases and, and sometimes, you know, I, I, I think it's it's hard to always resist the biases. Um, so I just rather talk about them. And I think with Cortland Sutton, you know, I was higher, I was too high on him last year. And so it's possible I'm doing some overcorrection here, but I also think that there are some real, real concerns here. Number one, I'm not 100% convinced that he's going to start out 
uh, start off the season with the Broncos. I mean, I think that there's a chance that he could be traded. That could actually be a good thing. And in that case, then I'd probably move him up. Mm-hmm. But I think he lost explosiveness coming off his injury last year. Um, Tim Patrick is back. They traded up for Marvin Mims in the second round, which was kind of confusing, but it makes more sense if you think that that, that they're they're not big on Cortland Sutton. And then I have Jerry Judy above market. Mm-hmm. So that's just how things are kind of falling into place for me. I think Jerry Judy can have a really big breakout year. And I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen for Cortland Sutton. And I think that actually, if he stays in Denver, he could end up as their number three receiver, if not number four, assuming that Tim Patrick comes back healthy and Marvin Mims steps in and grabs immediate playing time. Yeah, I mean, Evan mentioned they traded up for Marvin Mims. Marvin Mims was the first pick of the Sean Payton era. Like they traded up, for, like they clearly wanted to make a stamp with Marvin Mims. Cortland Sutton last year was a mess, but the entire offense was broken. I mean, they were 31st in touchdowns per game, 23rd in yards per play. Everybody assumes that Sean Payton is going to get that going and get that going in the right direction. If he doesn't, though, Broncos are going to be overdrafted once again. I don't know, man. I still think Cortland Sutton's a talented guy. He's another year removed from the injury. I'm fine being lower than market on Cortland Sutton, but I don't know. I still think there's a chance for him. I do prefer Jerry Judy, though. There's no doubt about that. So to a sleeper tight end, Evan is about 20 spots above market on. That's Juwan Johnson. So I agree. I love the Juwan Johnson stuff. They added Foster Moreau, who's coming back from, I believe, a cancer recovery. Shout out to him. That's awesome for him. They also have Taysom Hill behind Juwan Johnson. I know I've talked about schedules a lot on here. The Saints, Evan, holy cow. They have one of the softest schedules you could possibly draw up in the entire NFL. And as we saw with the Eagles last year, when you have a really soft schedule like that, you just end out scoring a lot of touchdowns. And like, I don't think it's crazy for the Saints to score a ton of touchdowns this year. And that's what Juwan Johnson certainly did well last year. I like this one, Evan. Any more thoughts on being higher than market on Juwan Johnson? Yeah, and I feel really good about this one, actually. I think that a lot of people got scared off by Foster Moreau. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I mean, they're they're very different players. Juwan Johnson is a big move tight end, converted wide receiver. Foster Moreau is like a classic Y inline tight end who's you know recovering from cancer. Um, Juwan Johnson. I'm trying to look at his deal right now. Yeah, two years, twelve million. I mean, I thought that that was pretty good for him. Uh, two years, twelve million for a player who was not drafted. You know, so the Saints made a legitimate commitment to him, and I love his fit with Derek Carr's skill set. I mean, it's just. It's Darren Waller all over again. Um, and I think that, you know, the the wide receiver core in New Orleans is fairly unimposing. I'm not sure what to think of Michael Thomas at this point. I mean, he hasn't played football, quality football in a real long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Olave is a stud, but he's, you know, a particular type of receiver. Rashid Shahid is obviously very interesting, um, but I think that he's also generally a role player. I think Juwan Johnson is going to play a lot. And I think he's going to riff with Derek Carr. And um, yeah, he's he's at the top of my list of like the the tight ends in, let's say, the tight end 10 to 14, 10 to 15 range, which, you know, every year, maybe one of those guys pops. But I think Juwan Johnson has maybe the best chance of that group to pop. Yeah. And in that range, I want my tight ends to be touchdown scorers because so much of the position is tied up in touchdown scoring. And Juwan Johnson showed last year he can certainly score touchdowns. Daniel Jones the topic of much consternation on this show led me to the promised land last year, but I'm afraid that maybe the market has gone too far on Daniel Jones. I mean, we're talking like we have 88 overall QB 10 on Daniel Jones. Silva's way lower. 
123 overall, QB 14. Daniel Jones only threw for 3,200 yards and 15 touchdowns in 16 games last year. I mean, that is flat out bad in today's NFL. However, he had like no one to throw to. They have surrounded him with maybe not stars, but now they have Waller and they draft Jalen Hyatt and they get a bunch of guys back healthy like Wandale, hopefully. And so he has way more weapons around him this year to improve the throwing. The question is, can he sustain the rushing? I mean, last year, I believe he had seven rushing touchdowns. Yeah, seven, seven rushing touchdowns and 708 yards rushing in 16 games. Lots changed here, though, Evan. You're lower than market on Daniel Jones. What do you think about him? Yeah, a lot has changed. Um, and I think that Darren Waller has an opportunity to move the needle. I just don't know if any of these receiver cores, and I mean, they've got eight, like eight wide receivers who have played or have the or, and or have the potential to play quality snaps in the NFL. But I mean, there's no clear cut number one wide receiver here. There might not even be a clear cut number two wide receiver for the Giants for, you know, relative to other teams. Yeah, I would say that they don't have even a clear number two receiver in the NFL. They've got just a bunch of guys who are going to compete for snaps and probably not move the needle. Again, Darren Waller could move the needle, but Darren Waller also, he's been like a little bit of a disappointment the last couple of seasons. The Raiders traded him away. Um, Daniel Jones was the quarterback nine last year, and as you mentioned, he scored seven rushing touchdowns. He should experience positive regression when it comes to his passing touchdown count, uh, but he's probably going to take a step back from rushing. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm too low on him. Uh, but, I mean, I have him quarterback 14. He's firmly in the top 150. We'll see. You know, when, when I get to the quarterback tiers, that, that's really when I start to get – I firm up in terms of my quarterback rankings. We'll, we'll we'll see how it shakes out, but I feel okay about where I have him right now. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a big difference between where we were getting Daniel Jones last year and where he goes this year. I think the best case from a schematic standpoint is Dayball says, listen, man, we got to play a more aggressive, open offense this year to score more points period. We have all these wide receivers we added. Now let's let Daniel Jones drop back and throw it more. That That's the best case. But yeah, improving on last year, I think is going to be hard when, as Evan said, he finished as a QB nine. Let's go to backup running back, Kenny Gainwell. Silva is at RB 38. We are pretty significantly lower than that. Now, and in terms of DeAndre Swift, Evan is lower than market on DeAndre Swift. In terms of Rashad Penny, Evan is a little bit higher than market on Rashad Penny. Maybe we should just talk about this backfield as a whole, Evan. How are you thinking about Gainwell, Swift, and Penny and how they're going to shake out in fantasy? Yeah, so I think that Penny is going to be the clear-cut early down back. But, you know, his injury history, I know that he's pro- it's probably the re- mainly the result of bad luck, but, I mean, his injury history is extensive. I, I like the acquisition in real life of DeAndre Swift. I thought that he was worth it for like, you know, a 2025 fourth round pick or whatever. Um, but also, I mean, I also think that he's he's a niche back. And I think that some of those problems that that plagued him in Detroit with the coaching staff kind of think not being sold on his physicality and his ability to stand up to significant workloads. I mean, that could follow him into Philadelphia. How How sure are we that DeAndre Swift is going to play ahead of Kenneth Gainwell because I think they really like Kenneth Gainwell. If you look at the trajectory of his usage over the course of last season, remember like he made a move on Miles Sanders at yeah. one point. I think he's good. He's always been, he's very athletic. He's always been very good in the passing game. And 
I don't think he's going to start off the season as a guy that we can even probably consider even as a flex option. But I feel like by week four, week five, Kenneth Gainwell in this offense, behind this offensive line, with his versatile, his all-purpose skill set, I, I think he absolutely could be a fantasy factor like sooner rather than later. I may be a little too high on him right now, but I can tell you for sure that he's a player that I want to get as my RB4, RB5, um, and, and ha- at least just have him on my bench to begin the season. Yeah, Gamer was a guy I took a ton of in best ball last year with like late round running back picks where a couple things break right. You get a bunch of catches from Kenny Gamewell. It looks really good. I think the concern people have this year is that DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gamewell's skill set overlaps so heavily, so heavily. Whereas last year, Kenny Gamewell's skill set did not overlap with Miles Sanders or Boston Scott. And so that's why Kenny Gamewell is going so late. If you think the Lions stuff was real, i.e. they didn't like him, you know, he didn't run tough enough, he didn't execute, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe Gamewell, maybe Philly fans, maybe Philly staff will feel the same way. Then I think Gainwell is being underdrafted. But yeah, it's a really interesting backfield. We'll talk a ton more about that. Oh, quickly, Evan, uh, we talked so much about the Dalvin Cook versus Alexander Madison thing. I talked about it on Market Monday for a while. We've talked about it like four times. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of talking about it. I am interested, though, if we assume that Dalvin Cook is gone, who you prefer between Ty Chandler and the McBride kid that they drafted? Because I know you, you do have uh, Ty Chandler very high in your 150. Yeah, I have Ty Chandler as like a top 120 player right now. And I guess like he's not even like people aren't even taking him in drafts. Right. Um, trying to get out ahead of this one because I don't think that Dalvin Cook is going to be a member of the, the 2023 Vikings. Uh, I think it was uh, Anthony Amico or Ian Harditz or both of them that uh, were noted that on the tw- on the, the Vikings 2023 banner. That Twitter banner. Really yes, Twitter banner. Twitter, Twitter yeah. banner. Uh, Dalvin Cook is not on there, and Alexander Madison is. Yeah, Alexander Madison can ball, man. I mean, he's a quality receiving back, and he weighs 225 pounds, and he runs with abandon between the tackles. Am I not ahead? Am I not ahead of market enough on him? I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to move him up. No, I, well, I, yeah. The mark the market is just being stubborn on Alexander Madison. I mean, we've been way higher than market on Madison, so yeah. Okay. But Ty Chandler, I think, is the the next guy up. The McBride kid, I mean, he's a seventh-round rookie. Is he even going to make the team? You know, that's always a legit question for seventh-round rookies. Ty Chandler has a lot of speed. I mean, he ran 4-3-6 coming out with a 1-4-6, 10-yard split. I can't remember. Was he, was, he, was he a guy that you were playing in preseason DFS last year? I believe so. I believe so. Um, I think he's the next dude up, you know, and – that would be the number two back bet- behind a running back in Alexander Madison, who, although I absolutely believe in his ability to hold up or to to give you like legit 20 carry, yeah. four catch games, um, he also has never done that over the course of a full NFL season because he's been a backup to this point. So um, Tyler Chan- Ty Chandler is definitely a guy I want to take late in drafts and maybe maybe be my my, my last round pick. Yeah, I think that's super sharp. And especially in these best ball leagues where you're trying to be unique. Guys who are not drafted in all in every league are super, super valuable. Just one more thing on Madison. I mean, every time Dalvin Cook's been out, he has handled huge workloads. As Evan said, doesn't mean he can do it for the whole season, but they have not hesitated to give Alexander Madison huge workloads when Dalvin Cook has been out. And I would say that if you're in a dynasty league right now, and oftentimes in, in dynasty league, they have open offseason waivers. Um and uh, especially after the rookie drafts are done, 
And yo, if you have the opportunity to just go grab Ty Chandler, like, you know, drop some dude that you really have never, uh, you have no intention of ever using, go grab Ty Chandler, just put him at the end of your bench and, and see how this plays out. Because if Dalvin Cook gets moved or released, um, then Ty Chandler all of a sudden, I mean, he's going to be, he'll he'll be in everybody's top 150, I would think. Yep. I actually just made a move in, in a dynasty league that I'm in. I, I uh, dropped Charlie Kolar in a uh, uh, tight end premium league and picked up uh, Travion Williams, but I should check if, if Ty Chandler is out there uh, also. Anyways, speaking of Bengals running backs, Evan is way ahead of market on Joe Mixon. This is one that I've talked about on Market Monday a ton. I've been taking Joe Mixon way ahead of ADP also since the draft. Evan is at 38 overall, RB15. Market is closer to 60th overall, RB20. Actually, market is actually below that. I mean, we've been ahead of market with Joe Mixon, um, and Evan is even higher than that. So I don't know, Evan. I think a big vote of confidence for Joe Mixon's situation, at least coming out of the draft. Yeah, I mean, and I, as I was doing his ranking in particular, I mean, you know, I, I looked up a ton of stuff to make sure that I wasn't missing something. Um, and there are still some concerns from his off-field incident and he didn't play super well last year. But, man, the the Bengals' lack of movement uh, in terms of making, you know, running back additions. I mean, all they did was draft Chase Brown, who I kind of like in the fifth round mm-hmm. out of Illinois. But, I mean, they let Samaje P. Ryan walk. They've tried to talk up Travion Williams, who's been on the team for years, and they never used. And then Chris Evans, I mean, I think that we've kind of just – we can kind of decipher that they just see him as like a lightly used role player. So Joe Mixon in a really good offense behind an offensive line that I think is still kind of on the upswing. Um, You know, he's got a ton of familiarity with, you know, with the offense and everything. I mean, yeah, he's he's a guy that I'm willing to draft like significantly above ADP right now. I think that his ADP will normalize a little bit as we get closer to the season. But I mean, now's the time to take him because you can get him at, at a severe discount, I think. Uh, relative to how he's going to be being drafted in three months. He's going to be a third round pick in half PPR by the time September comes. Like I'm, I'm pretty confident in that Joe Mixon is, you know, I get that he wasn't good last year. He lost a ton of pass down work to Samaj P. Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan is now gone. Joe Burrow is one of the best throwers of the football to the running back position in the NFL. And so I, I think, you know, like an upgrade uh, at, at people are taking him way later, but it's actually an upgrade in usage. I get that. Joe Mixon was not good last year and looked slow at times, but man, just from a usage perspective. Except for in that game where he scored five touchdowns against the game where he scored five touchdowns, yes. Al Pitts is obviously a sore subject a lot. Silva is at tight end seven. Model came out with Kyle Pitts at tight end five. I don't have a lot of conviction around tight ends uh, four through seven here. Silva has that order. Dallas Goddard first, then Kittle, then Waller, then Pitts. Our model-based Rankings have Kittle first, then Pitts, then Goddard, then Waller. Again, I don't have strong conviction on how all four of these guys should go, but Evan, I'm sure people want your Kyle Pitts take. Can we face going back to the well on Kyle Pitts? It's a lot cheaper this year, I'll say that. I just have the exact same take as you on this range of tight ends. They're all kind of smashed into this tier, and you know, I'll probably shuffle them around 80 times before we get to week one, you know? So I don't know. I struggled to, I struggled to have any convictions when I ranked these guys uh, initially. 
And I feel like that's going to continue to be the case for the, the remainder of the offseason. My, my Kyle Pitts thing is like, he had a thousand yards as a rookie. Marcus Mariota was so bad last year. I mean, outlier bad in terms of catch rate for Kyle Pitts. Outlier bad in terms of catch rate on deep balls. Like he just, they just could not connect ever throughout the whole year. And I'm not, I don't think Desmond Ritter is good, but it's got to be better than Mariota. So I'm leaving the light on for Kyle Pitts when he goes in like the seventies and stuff like that. Um, Last one I want to talk about here. Evan has all three Baltimore wide receivers in the top 110 and Mark Andrews pretty high. Now, I think we all agree that Todd Monken and this Baltimore pass game is going to get a step up in volume and hopefully in efficiency as well. They're pretty talented. It's hard, though, for Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, has never thrown for more than 3,100 yards in a season to support four pass catchers in the top 110. But, Evan, tell the people how you're thinking about all these guys, Flowers, Bateman, Odell. Yeah, I also have Lamar Jackson ahead of ADP. So I am um, very, very excited about the Ravens offense. Moving from Greg Roman, who I liked, but I mean, he had his limitations because he was so run-oriented to Todd Monken, who's like big on vertical passing and has a long, long history of passing game success and uh, success with aggressive downfield passing games. And all of a sudden, I think that the Ravens have the requisite weapons to um, to accomplish that. Uh, at the same time, like the, the you got to know that the top 150 is not, you know, this is not like just ranking everybody in terms of their stat projections. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I kind of hedged here and I kind of jammed in the Ravens' top three receivers all sort of, you know, toward the back end of the top 150 because I kind of don't know who's going to emerge as their number one. You know, I, I couldn't say that for sure. I mean, Mark Andrews is the number one, okay? But at wide receiver, I don't know. And, and they could actually all end up uh, canceling each other out to an extent. This was a little bit of a hedge. Uh, I don't know. How, how would you treat this one? Yeah, my take is that Odell has not played well. I mean, Odell hasn't had a good season, I would say, since 2018 with the Giants. He hasn't had a great season since 2016 and now he's coming off of a serious knee injury my take would be if i and i and i love your point that rankings are not projections like it is so 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 different rankings versus projections if i was doing this from uh kind of trying to middle it i would probably just dump odell out and and just not have odell in top 150 he's 30 years old but i you know maybe that's too harsh on odell and he probably does belong in the top 150 it's just not all three of these guys are going to get there i guess is my point and, and I, I and i would agree with that right yeah. and so the one that i i would bet most on not getting there would be odell but you know we'll see that's age model uh a very proprietary age model all right if you guys are interested in seeing evan's full top 150 it is available now for draft kit subscribers if you don't have the draft kit yet hit the subscribe tab and check that out if you want access to all our best ball and Dynasty content, you do need DraftKit Pro. That is also available in the subscribe tab right now. Appreciate everyone being here. Appreciate everyone listening. Be sure you're following me on Twitter at Adam Levitan. Evan is at Evan Silva, all one word on both. And you can follow us at Establish the Run on Twitter as well. For Evan, for producer Luke, the top 150 is live. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.